Welcome! You're listening to audio of Bible teaching from Island Community Church in downtown Memphis, Tennessee. At ICC, we are being transformed by Jesus to impact our world. Wherever you are as you listen today, we want you to know that we love and appreciate you. We're so glad you're here. We hope today's message will help you grow in relationship with Jesus. You can access more gospel resources and ways to connect with our church at iccmemphis.com. Thanks again for joining us. Good morning, everybody. It really is summer. You know it's summer when you see Barrett with a hat on, right? Everybody's coming in this morning with their summer haircuts, myself included, you know? It's, it's definitely summer. Hey, uh, it is so good to be together this morning as a church family and kicking off a new season together. Um, my name is Mitchell. If I don't know you yet, I did see some new faces. Welcome, special welcome to you. Um, I get the privilege of serving as our Associate Pastor of Discipleship here at ICC, and today I get the opportunity to lead us off into our um, Summer Sundays series. That's fun to say. It's kind of like a tongue twister. Summer Sunday series that we have called Rhythms of Grace, Growing Spiritual Habits. You've probably already heard of this if you've been around a little bit. I know we've been telling you a little bit about it, but today uh, we're going to really kind of get together, get our heads and our hearts around what this summer on Sundays is going to be all about. Y'all with me? Cool. So, hey, we're going to, basically what we're going to do today, we're going to ask and answer three questions. I'm going to give you the three questions. They're real simple. Number one, we're going to ask this question, what are spiritual habits? Number two, we're going to ask the question, what are these spiritual habits? There's a difference there that you'll, you'll see. And number three, why do they matter? Okay, so simple questions. Feel free to write them down if it helps you. Type them into your phone. Uh, Whatever helps you to kind of take this with you as we go. We're going to revisit this um, throughout the morning. Okay, so first question, what are spiritual habits? So to answer this question, I want to go ahead and invite you to go with me to Luke chapter 19. Go ahead and either turn with me in your Bible or on your phone, however you do that. Um, We're going to read... the first 10 verses of this chapter. It's a story you're probably familiar with about a guy named Zacchaeus. You, you might have even heard me talk about it. It's one of my favorites. Um, I'm, I'm going to share a good bit of scripture with you today, but I do want to kind of establish sort of a kind of a launching and a landing point here in this story for us this morning. So go ahead and get there with me. Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. I'll be reading from the ESV. So follow along with me as we go. It's also on the screen. It says this. He entered Jericho, he being Jesus, and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek 
and to save the lost. This is God's word. So what are spiritual habits? Okay, I wanna submit to you, kind of propose to you a sort of a, a main point for today. If you're looking for a main point, I'm about to give it to you. We're gonna revisit it the whole morning, okay? It's just a simple statement. Based on this story, based on much other scripture, um, I, I wanna give you this statement that defines spiritual habits. Spiritual habits position us to experience God's grace. It's pretty simple, right? We can probably all remember that. Will y'all say it with me once? Ready? Spiritual habits position us to experience God's grace. Awesome. Like I said, we'll be revisiting. You're not going to miss it. Now, why do I say that? Okay, we just read this story about Jesus. He's, it says he's passing through a town called Jericho and there's a guy who lives there named Zacchaeus, right? He's short. <laughs> He's wealthy, but pretty unpopular. That's what we gathered from the story, right? But he's doing one thing right, and it turns out to be the most important thing. Verse three says that he was seeking to see who Jesus was. The problem is that there were obstacles to him seeing Jesus. Did y'all see that? The crowd, there's a crowd and he's too short, right? He's in a bad, bad place. So what did he do? Well, he made a choice and he took an action. He ran, it says he ran on ahead, climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him for he was about to pass that way. So he's in the crowd. He's like, ah, why am I so short? And why are there so many people out here? You know, I don't know if you ever felt that way in a crowd. And, and he's like, I see, like I can sort of see like where he is, right? Like probably his posse of disciples. I see where he's going. I'm gonna, I'm gonna see him. So he goes on ahead and he positions himself. He climbs a tree, a grown man climbing a tree and waits for him. And when Jesus gets up there, he sees him and he's like, dude, come on, I'm, I'm hanging out with you today. Jesus changed his plan for the day, right? He was passing through Jericho. Now he's gonna stay. He's gonna stay with Zacchaeus today. Jesus responded to this man's choice and action, right? And his neighbors are grumbling. You know, you gotta love people like that. But Zacchaeus has this transformative experience with Jesus, right? So personal. He, he begins this relationship with him and it leads to repentance and salvation. It's a cool story. Raise your hand if you're familiar with this story. You've probably heard it before. Apparently there's like a kid's song that I don't know, uh, but I've heard of it. But what, here's what I'm asking you to see. I'm asking you to see kind of a bigger picture thing here, a grander picture that this story is painting. Uh, and it's a picture of how ordinary, messy, simple people can experience God. People like me and you can experience God. And it really comes down to this statement right here, that spiritual habits position us to experience God's grace. There are really two main things I want you to see in this statement. The first thing I wanna talk about is God's grace. First thing we, we need to see as we approach this topic is that our spiritual habits are really all about God's grace. That's why we uh, titled the series Rhythms of Grace, right? It's not just random. Uh, we chose that language intentionally. Why do we call it that? Well. To put it simply, our God is full of grace. This is, this is the truth that our entire faith is built on, is it not? That we have a God who willingly and joyfully and lavishly just pours out his grace on undeserving people like me and you. Grace is just God's um, unmerited favor, right? Or his undeserved goodness towards us, right? We don't do anything to deserve it, but he just chooses to give and give and give. So everything good that we've ever had or experienced is a product of God's grace to us. 
Peter, uh, in his first letter, 1 Peter 5.10, he refers to God as the God of all grace. Very accurate description. And we, it's true, we see God's grace all throughout scripture. Old Testament and new, and we see the, the pinnacle of God's grace in his son, Jesus. Titus 2.11 says that in Jesus, the grace of God appeared. John 1 talks about Jesus. He's referring to him as the word. He says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the ultimate display of God's grace. And y'all, we could spend all morning, we could spend all summer just digging into the, the riches of God's grace. That's not our primary purpose this morning, right? I'm not gonna fully survey don't worry, everything that the Bible has to say about God's grace, go do that yourself, you know? You can look it up and you can find tons of scriptures that testify to God's grace. But in summary, it's important that we remember that it's God's gospel of grace that even makes relationship with him possible, right? He's opened a way to have, for us sinners to have relationship with him by his grace. And then his spirit of grace starts to work inside of us to make us more like himself. And we look forward to a day, one day, where his grace will make us perfect with him. It's good news, right? It's the gospel. Let us just marvel. I think that's the first thing we need to do is just marvel at God's grace. Our God loves to pour out his grace on his people. He wants to do good and give good in our lives. I mean, Jesus was overjoyed in this story to go spend time with Zacchaeus, right? And to start this relationship with him. But the question is, why did Zacchaeus get to start that relationship with Jesus? Yes, Jesus was willing. <laughs> Jesus was happy. But Zacchaeus positioned himself to experience Jesus, right? We have no indication that he would have otherwise, right? So that's the second essential piece that we have to see in this statement is that these spiritual habits we're gonna talk about this whole summer, they position us to experience God's grace. So God gives grace, we get to position ourselves to experience that grace. Y'all with me? Y'all following my, my logic here? Okay, I know this is simple, but it's important. This positioning is, is, is critical. So as we live this life of faith by God's grace, God has given us things that we do that make us available to his grace. Historically, they've been called means of grace, right? We're using the word rhythms of grace and these play out in practical spiritual habits. These are the things that you may know as spiritual disciplines. Raise your hand if you've ever heard anyone talk about that. Okay, y'all with me. So we're using the word habits because habits are just the things that we choose to do over and over again, regularly, repeatedly, right? That have real impact on our lives. We're gonna talk more about that later. Uh, but these spiritual habits are simply the ways that we make ourselves available to God's ongoing outpouring of grace, right? We, we position ourselves for God's grace in real time. We, this is so cool, y'all. Like, Rob said this, there he is. Rob said this a few minutes ago uh, about as he was uh, sharing the gospel on Ivory Coast. God doesn't just want us to agree with doctrinal statements. That's not what our faith is. That's part of it. It's important that we know truth and agree with it and believe it. But God wants a lot more for us than that. 
and he wants a lot more with us. God wants relationship with us. And God invites us in infinite ways to actually experience him. <laughs> Not just to say, I, I'm, I'm a Christian, I'm saved, so like one day I get to be with God. Like I get to experience God today. I think it's possible for us, myself included, to really miss some of what God has for us. Like in day-to-day -day experience of him. And God can give us experience of, of him in any way that he wants to. He doesn't need us to do anything, right? However, there are these specific paths that God has prescribed that he said, he says, if you'll go there, you'll, you'll meet me there. I'll meet you there. You'll experience me there. So why would we not go there? <laughs> y'all with me? Y'all might've heard me share this um, illustration before about Zacchaeus. It really comes from a guy named Donald Whitney. He wrote a book called Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. Um, it's really popular. Um, it's kind of considered a classic in this area. But here, here's what he says briefly. He says, think of the spiritual disciplines or spiritual habits, same thing, as ways by which we can spiritually place ourselves in the path of God's grace and seek him. Much like Zacchaeus placed himself physically in Jesus' path and sought him. The Lord, by his spirit, still travels down certain paths, paths that he himself has ordained and revealed in scripture. We call these paths spiritual disciplines, spiritual habits, whatever you wanna call them. And if we will place ourselves on these paths and look for him there by faith, we can expect to encounter him. That's good news, right? That's good news that not only are we in right relationship with God, but we have ways that we can expect to experience him in an ongoing way. There's this kind of this beautiful interplay that, that happens in our spiritual lives between God's work of grace and our participation in it that he invites. Yes, God has saved us. We know this from scripture. God has saved us by his grace without an ounce of our work. Look at Ephesians 2. And then he goes to work on our hearts by his spirit to make us more like himself. So beginning, middle, and end, our life that we have is 100% by grace. And by his grace, God invites us to make choices, make grace-motivated choices that really do matter and have a real impact on our lives. Like God's grace does not make us passive bystanders in our relationship with him. You know with me? It actually makes us active participants. God desires that we seek him and we find more of him. Y'all with me? Let me give you a few scriptures to look at. You can jot these down and look back at them later. So we looked at 1 Peter earlier. Peter come, uh, he comes back in his second letter, 2 Peter. This is the very end of that letter. And he says, he, he's commanding the Christians there. He says, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So there's an aspect of grace that we get to grow in. Like that's actually one of the good gifts of God's grace is that he invites us to choose to grow in him. It's really cool, right? Y'all think it's cool? Okay, I hope I'm not the only one that thinks it's cool, because I really do. I'm really passionate about this. Uh, look at Timothy. Uh, we'll look at first and second Timothy. So Paul is writing to Timothy, right? Paul's kind of his, his mentor, you know? And here in first Timothy, he tells him, train yourself for godliness. Train yourself. Do it, Timothy. Train yourself 
for godliness. He says, in the same way you would train your body. He goes on and says, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also the life to come. So Paul knows Timothy, maybe Timothy's in the gym hitting the weights and he's like, Timothy, I know you're in the gym and that's cool, but spiritual training is more important. It's inherently more important that we're healthy spiritually. Why? Because it has eternal implications. Y'all with me? Your six pack doesn't go with you into the next life. Y'all know that, right? Okay, we're on the same page about that. I think God's gonna give us all one is what's gonna happen. But anyway, so Paul's saying in the same way, in the same way though, there's, there's a, he's making a connection between physical training and spiritual training. He's saying in the same way that you don't just wake up with a six pack, at least I never have, he says, Spiritual training doesn't just happen either. It's work, man, it's work. That's what he's telling Timothy. He's reminding him of that. He goes on in a second letter. He says, he tells him to be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So he is making it clear. You can't make yourself strong spiritually, but you can be strengthened. So he's, he's, he's telling him, he's saying, position yourself <laughs> to be made strong by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 6.10, be strong in the Lord, right? And in the strength of his might. There's another analogy between the physical and spiritual that we see in scripture and that's, it's an agricultural analogy. Jesus uses some of these as well. I don't think any of us are farmers, but hopefully we understand the kind of basics of sowing and reaping. So Galatians 6, Paul says this, the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption but the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. So Paul is kind of explaining spiritual law, right? There, we have natural laws, right? We know how things in the world work. That's what science is all about. That's what agriculture is all about. We know how the earth works for the most part. Paul's explaining spiritual law. He's saying a, a farmer can't make crops grow, but what does a farmer do? A farmer cultivates the crops, makes the conditions suitable for maximum growth, and they grow. He's saying the same thing. We will reap. If we continue to sow in the spirit, we will reap a harvest. We will experience God. So whatever illustration you prefer, I hope you get it. Our experience of God, our growth in him is 100% grace. And we have a part to play if we're serious about growing. And this is all throughout scripture. Paul is a good example of this because he even talks about himself. First Corinthians 15, he says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. You might be familiar with that verse. He says, and his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. He's talking about the other apostles. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that's with me. So Paul's like, I know it's God's grace that has made me who I am, but I'm outworking everybody because I'm not gonna have his grace to me be in vain. But he says, even my ability to work is a product of grace. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's, it's this amazing thing that plays out in our spiritual lives. One more scripture for you to go back and look at. Uh, Philippians 2, 12 and 13, Paul tells the church there, he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling for it's God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. He, this is a weighty statement. He says, God's working in you 
So do something about it, right? Work out your salvation, not work for your salvation. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Take this seriously. This is part of how we receive God's grace is by choosing to seek him and to grow in him. The bottom line, y'all, is that yes, this is all about grace. And we get to position ourselves. We get to make choices. We get to actually do things, practical things that God blesses and honors and he gives us by his grace, greater experience of himself. Isn't that cool? Who wants that? Who wants to experience God more than you have or than you are? Anybody? Anybody? It's cool if I'm the only one. That's cool. So we've answered number one, what are spiritual habits? The other two are shorter and they're simpler in some ways. Number two, what are these spiritual habits? And by this, I just mean, what are the specific habits that we're talking about? When we say rhythms of grace, growing spiritual habits, what are these things that we are growing in? Fortunately, we don't have to choose them on our own. God has given us in his word the particular habits that he wants us to, to seek, to position ourselves for his grace. We see, we see them all throughout. Again, I told you, I said this earlier. We're not gonna, I'm not gonna give you an entire biblical survey on this. There have been many studies done on this. There are great resources, some of which we'll be using and have used already to kind of shape this series. They'll inform how we teach. Um, so hopefully you'll, you'll get that and you'll, you'll, You'll hear that, but um, you know, this summer we're not intending to do an exhaustive study on every way we could ever possibly experience God, right? What we are gonna do though is seek to be faithful to focus on the major ways that God calls us throughout scripture to experience him. So in order to do that, we're, we're gonna be following for the most part a, a structure. Um, David Mathis wrote a book. It's the one we've talked about called Habits of Grace. Some of you maybe have read it, are reading it or will read it. Um, and he sort of synthesizes these ideas in scripture into three primary rhythms. And they are directly from scripture. So if you look at Acts 2.42, this is a, a really helpful verse because uh, it's kind of, kind of serves as like a summary statement of the life, kind of what life looked like for the very first Christians. This is right after the church is born at Pentecost. And um, it explains kind of what these Christians are up to says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So we've identified really three main things here. The apostles' teaching, which is God's word. Fellowship and breaking of bread, which we've kind of grouped to, to represent church life, right? What it's like to live in the, in the community of the church. And third is prayer. It's pretty clear. But this is how we've designed, you've seen this already. Um, this is how we're, we've designed the summer. And the gears of grace, that's what AJ called him the other day when we were talking. I said, that's it, gears of grace. You have to call him that, okay? Um, I know the, the engineer brain people are psyched about it. And some of you are probably like, what is this? But let me tell you what this is. So I want you to see here in the middle is God's grace. So everything turns from a place of grace. And you'll see these three major rhythms right here. The word, prayer, church, life. And then out of these, there are different ways that we can pursue these things, right? Each of these is a habit. So we'll be studying one of these each week together, seeking to grow in it. Does that make sense? I don't know about you. This helps me. I'm a pretty simple guy. And so I need simplicity. 
I think with a study like this, there's a potential where like every week you're getting a new thing put on you and you're like, okay, I now have 12 things to work on come August uh, that I need to be doing all the time. And that's not what we're saying. <laughs> what we're saying is there are a few major things that we know God calls us to live in, like these rhythms of life and they're how we experience him. And there's a lot of different ways that can look. But my hope for you is each week, you'll learn something about how you can grow in each of them. Maybe there's some that you've never done before. Uh, maybe there's, there are some that do come more naturally to you, but we'll be able to grow together in each of them. Y'all with me? So the, the next few weeks, like we're gonna be learning about reading the whole Bible. We're gonna be learning about studying deep into parts of the Bible. And we're gonna be learning about meditating and memorizing the Bible. So different ways that we can engage with the Bible. Does that make sense? Okay. I think it's gonna be really, really helpful. So these are the, the specific habits that we'll be seeking to grow in this summer. Okay, third question, why do they matter? Maybe the most important question. Why is this such a big deal? Well, hopefully our main point for today answers this question to some extent, right? That spiritual habits position us to experience God's grace. That's why it matters. But I do wanna talk a little bit about habits in general, because another reason this does matter like the reason that we've, we've, we've chosen rhythms to kind of be our theme for the whole summer, right? These rhythms of life that we live in is because that's actually really important. <laughs> I don't, I, I'm not sure that any of us realize exactly how much our habits impact our lives. There's been a lot of research done about this. Again, you can do some reading on your own about the power of habits in our lives. I did a little bit of reading. I read a few articles. Um, there's one that I found really interesting. This is from the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology. I don't know if anybody reads that, but <laughs> it's interesting if you're into that. So it says this, many of the actions people engage in daily, such as shopping, exercising or not, and communicating with others are habitual and thus can be difficult to change. There's a woman named Wendy Wood, who's a psychologist at uh, USC, Southern California. And uh, she's pretty well known. You'll see her name a lot in this, this area of, or this topic of habits. And she says this, she says, uh, we think we do most things because we make decisions or we're asserting willpower. But instead our research shows that a lot of human behavior is repeated often enough in the same context to form habits. She actually says that at least 43% of everyday actions are enacted habitually while people are thinking about potentially something else. 43%, almost half, maybe more, depends on kind of maybe your personality and what your life is like. But a lot of, a lot of our lives, maybe a majority or close to it of our lives are habits. If you start to pay attention, you'll see that more and more. We have lots of habits. What this means is that whether you know it or not, we're, we are all creatures of habit to some extent or another. And these habits do set a tone for our lives, for better or worse. We probably all have more habits than we realize, and they are all doing something to us. They're all positioning us for something. The only question is, what is that? <laughs> what are our habits positioning us for? Where are our habits taking us in our lives? For example, I'll share a little bit personally. One habit I've been trying to grow in in the more recent past is exercising, specifically running. Um, apparently I have a runner's build, but it doesn't seem to help me very much. Just because you're skinny doesn't mean running is easy. Um, but I'm making progress. You might relate. 
But what I, you know, we talked earlier about the connection between physical training and spiritual training. And probably my biggest issue is that I don't run often enough. And so when I run, it's like not fun usually. And then, but the more I do, the, the better it gets, right? Because I'm building endurance, I'm building a habit. My body is adjusting to that. And the same is true for spiritual training, right? The more we do it, the more we benefit from it. Um, but here's the thing, there's something deeper here too that I wanna help you see. And that's that as much as I appreciate the like health benefits, right, of exercise and I believe in that and I believe it's important for us to steward our bodies well, hear me out on that. I really do believe that. Um, I, would, I would be lying if I said I only run for the sake of being healthier. Um, if I'm being honest, some of y'all know this. The main thing that keeps me running is my runner wife because she's a lot better than me, which means when we run together, I have near-death experiences, but she's a good coach. She encourages me. She challenges me. Uh, but here's the thing. I know that that's a habit she prioritizes. I know that that's something she's going to be doing regularly. So that's a way, if I choose to do that with her, that's a way I can position myself for time with her, you know, because we're running and afterwards we're talking. We don't talk during. I don't talk during. But <laughs> afterwards we're talking, you know, we're building a relationship. It's good. It's good time together. And honestly, I don't, I don't want there to be this whole thing, like this whole part of her life that I'm just not a part of, you know. So I'm choosing, I'm choosing to join her where she's at. Because I could, yeah, I could say I want to, to invest in my marriage, right? I want to grow. I want to, I want to build our relationship, right? I want to do these things. I want to spend time with her. But if I'm not willing to go where she is, is that true, right? Like if when she asks me to run, I blow her off, do I really mean that? This is going to come back to bite me. She's going to say, I thought you wanted to spend time with me. Um, but seriously, if I'm not willing to get my running shoes on and get out there with her, even if I know it's going to be hard, then what does that say about my desire for relationship with her? You know, same is true in our relationship with God. Uh, that's what I want you to see. It, you know, it, it's easy to find this gap between our desire and our discipline, right? Like our desire and the things we say, I want to know God more. I want to, to grow my relationship with him. But at the same time, we're sometimes we're not prioritizing these paths where we know he is, right? We know he's there and I'm not, I'm not going there, right? Like Zacchaeus, I see where he's headed, but I'm not, I'm not going for whatever reason. What we have to remember, and this is, this is huge. What we have to remember is that the most, the, the ultimate goal, that's what I'll say, the ultimate goal is just Jesus himself, right? This is not, we're not primarily motivated by grace, although it means a lot to us. And we're not primarily motivated by spiritual growth, although that's a great product of this whole process. Our driving motivation must be simply knowing and enjoying Jesus. You know, I think about Paul in Philippians 3. He says, everything is a loss to me at this point in my life compared to knowing the surpassing joy of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. 
The question is, is that, is, is that really what's motivating us? So why do these matter? Well, these, these habits, are, they're more than habits. They're the lifeblood of our relationship with Jesus. You know, this is what Jesus told his disciples. John 15, he said, abide in me and I in you. Apart from me, you can do nothing, right? Like the more you try to do without just being connected to me, you'll fail and you'll, you'll miss out. So th- these are how we cultivate our relationship with him. So why do they matter? They matter because they're how we know the Lord more, you know? Spiritual habits position us to experience God's grace. I wanna share one more thing and then we'll, we'll wrap up. Uh, Donald Whitney shares, he introduces three things in his book at the end of his kind of introduction. He introduces a danger, a freedom, and an invitation. And I want you to just hear these. He says there's a danger in neglecting the spiritual disciplines spiritual habits. There's a danger in neglecting these things. There's a danger in honestly missing out on a lot of what God has for you. Like that's a real thing, right? And we don't have to, this is not the primary thing we're talking about today, but we need to be aware of that and acknowledge that. At the same time, there's a huge freedom in embracing these things. There's a huge freedom in living in God's designed rhythms for us and constantly receiving from him and experience him and growing in him, there's tons of freedom in that. That's how we're made to live. And there's an invitation, an invitation to enjoy him. He says there's, a, there's an invitation to all Christians to enjoy God and the things of God through the spiritual disciplines. So as we will return to our main point for today, one last time, and I'm gonna move us towards closing. Um, I wanna issue this invitation to you. I wanna wanna invite you to go back to where we started and put yourself in the shoes of Zacchaeus in that story. Wherever you are today, in your life, in your relationship with God, this invitation is, it is for you. Because just, so in the same way that Jesus passed through Jericho, he walked the path of Jericho, The Holy Spirit travels certain paths today and we know them. (laughs) That's the beautiful thing. This is not some weird mystical thing where we're trying to figure out something to do to connect with God. We know them. They're these simple things. His word, communication with him in prayer, life in his church. And every single day we have opportunity to experience him by grace in these ways. Uh, The question is like, where are you in that story? If you're Zacchaeus, where are you? are you? Are you seeking out a tree to climb? You know, which would be these spiritual habits. Are you seeking out the things you know to do to see Jesus or not? Like, and if not, I, I wanna ask you why. Like, we all have obstacles, right? Jesus, uh, Zacchaeus had obstacles, right? He was short, too many people. Could have made excuses. He probably had other things to do. He didn't conveniently run into Jesus, right? Jesus didn't go find him. He could have, but he didn't. Zacchaeus had obstacles. What are yours? That's what I ask you. I've kind of, I'm just, I'm I'm trying to help as as we move towards response. It's important that we get honest about where we're at, you know? What are your obstacles? Are you just too busy? Are you too tired to do these things? Are you too distracted, you know? Are you too in love with your phone? You know, like, I don't know what those things are. Are you, 
Is it something deeper? You know, is there something, are you, have you kind of lost like your desire to even meet with God? What is that about? Ask him, you know, maybe you've, uh, you feel hurt and you, you're doubting God, like if he'll even show up if you do, you know? I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're, maybe you've just got to get more disciplined. You know, you've got to build some new habits. Maybe you're very disciplined, but you've forgotten this. Like you've lost your vision of what this is all about. You're going through the motions, but you're not, you're actually not bringing yourself to God in a way to where you're, you're seeking to experience him still. Donald Whitney says in his book, he says, discipline without direction is drudgery, <laughs> right? We're just going through the motions. That's not what God has for us. There is discipline involved, but it's so much more than that. So much more than going through the motions. So I just wanna invite you, challenge you, encourage you. Um, I know I haven't given much practical leadership today. That's coming. That's what we're gonna do the rest of the summer. Um, but I think the, the important first step for us is to be honest about where we're at. You know, as we respond and the band comes, we're gonna have time where you can pray. You can come up and pray with somebody. You can pray in your chair. Ask God to search your heart. Talk to God about this. He knows where you're at, you know, and he wants more for you. That's the one thing we know for sure. I, we don't, I don't know where all of us are, but what I know for sure is that God wants to pour out his grace in your life. I know that. I can say that with confidence because he says so. The question is, are you positioning yourself? He's inviting you to join him on the path that he travels. And I'm just asking you, are you doing that? Do you want to more? <laughs> Wherever we are, you know, there's no performance here, right? This is not, Rob said that earlier. Our, our Christian life is not the sum of the things we do for God. That actually has nothing to do with it, right? But our, our relationship with God, our depth and closeness and our intimacy with him has a lot to do with what we do. Just like any relationship, we've been talking about that um, on Sundays this spring in our series. You know, there's a dynamic nature to our relationship with God and we get a lot of choice as to how we experience him. So we all have room to grow, right? We're all here by grace. It's grace that will carry us on <laughs> when we all have room to grow. So I just wanna ask you to like, just have some time to kind of reflect, talk to God about it. Uh, our prayer counselors will come up and you can, you can pray with somebody if you'd like. Um, and I what I really wanna ask you too is like, will you commit to prioritizing this? You know, over these next few months, will you commit to being here? Will you commit to really showing up? Will you commit to each week asking God, what, what do you have for me here? Like, how can, I, how can I get more of you here? That's the best thing we can do, y'all, right? Is, is learn to seek God in every way we know how. To experience real relationship with him, you know? There's nothing better. There's just not. So that's my passion. That's my desire for this summer. I hope it's the same for you. Um, I hope you won't, you know, like Zacchaeus, I hope you won't let Jesus just pass you by, move on with your day, with your summer, you know? Um, I hope you'll join us, I really do. Let me pray for us, then we'll, we'll respond. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for actually wanting a relationship with us. Thank you that you're not some distant machine. Thank you for being a personal God uh, with thoughts and feelings and desires. And thank you that 
you know us deeply and you still want more <laughs> relationship with us. Thank you for this invitation. Thank you for the story of Zacchaeus. God, I pray that each of us here today and maybe those who are listening later or watching, um, I would really be honest with you. Open up our hearts by your spirit. Let us not feel shame. <laughs> Let us not even feel guilt. Let us feel conviction if that's what you have for us. That's from your spirit and help us respond joyfully. God, confident of the grace you have for us. Thank you, God, that we get to run to you. We get to approach your throne of grace knowing that we'll receive what we ask for. We'll receive what we need even better. So God, I just, um, we give you this summer, we commit it to you. We're, we're gonna do the best we can and we're gonna trust that you will work that you will speak, that you will grow us into maturity as your church, your people. That's what you want, God. So we're just making ourselves available, submitting ourselves to you. Uh, God, we're ready. We're here. Will you work in us today? Amen. Thank you again for joining us for today's Bible teaching from Island Community Church in downtown Memphis. We want to encourage you to join us in person for worship soon. No podcast can ever replace the good design of God in gathering in person with other believers for worship in a local church. For more gospel resources and ways to connect with ICC, you can visit us at iccmemphis.com. As we close, we offer a prayer of blessing for you from Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Thanks again for joining us.